Welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. This is a podcast to help men become fully alive by doing life together. We are picking up on part two of a phone conversation that we had with Bill in trying to help us understand who God says we are and how that affects our purpose and identity. With me here today, as always, is my friend, co-host, Lee Rogers. Lee Rogers. Here I am. Hey, um, if you guys haven't listened to that other episode, we highly recommend it. It's way better than Robbie and I could do on our best day. <laughs> so go back, listen to that, then tune in for this second part of the conversation with Bill Thrall. But before we jump into that call, Lee, I was, uh, you like movies a lot. I is love kind of an movies. understatement. I do. So in thinking about movies, like, do you have somebody that uh, you would want to be or play? Like, you're a movie nerd. What yeah, stands out? Who do I you want to be? I get into this, and I... I mean, thoughts, ideas, hopes, dreams all happen in movie clips in my head all the time. <laughs> and um, it's kind of weird. Th- there's lots of characters that I would like to be in movies. I mean, from, you know, Superman to Mission Impossible to Chuck Norris, what, yeah. whatever it is. But what comes to mind as we were just thinking about purpose is I don't know if I'm, Robbie, have you even ever seen. Um, the Legend of Bagger Vance, Matt Damon, Will Smith. It's, it's been a while. It's a little bit older. Um, it's just an incredible movie. And it's not that I want to be a golfer, but to see this guy who was clearly made, designed to hit a golf ball and be incredible and have this perfect, beautiful swing, and and he loses his heart, loses his purpose by by going off to war, comes back to town and... Um, doesn't want to do anything, but the town rallies and needs him to show up for them to bring his gift to kind of rally the town, save the town of Savannah in in a certain way. Man, you guys, it is an awesome movie. I would watch it right now if it was on. That's that surprises me. Of all the epic characters, I know kind of exciting movies. I love you would want to be. I love Braveheart, but that one it just sticks in my head and my heart. Oh, so good. Lee, you can be a rock star. Welcome to my world, You, I believe you can be a rock star. (laughs) For the sake of our team and our church, you can be a rock star. Man, words of affirmation are such a big deal to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I think of another Matt Damon film. I would want to be Jason Bourne. Yeah. like He's awesome. That one scene where he's like, sitting in the cafe with that girl and he's like okay i i don't know who i am i don't know what's going on but w- why the heck do i have eight passports with different names and uh a little like uh safety deposit box in my hip and how do i know how to kill everybody in this room with like one punch and run half it's amazing it's like it, it, how cool to have no clue why yeah you are alive in what you do but the only thing you know is that you can you were designed to destroy oh, every yeah. person in that building. And I don't want to overanalyze, but <laughs> everyone wants to be discovered as having some incredible power, having something that people need and want and ah, uh, we have it. 
That's deep. I thought you were going to keep it at like. No way, man. Every guy l- wants to be able to beat somebody up because I'm like five nine and a half. And I, I go I, deep with movie clips. I've never taken a hit. I think for me, it's just as simple as it'd be nice to be able to take somebody. As I look at your broad shoulders <laughs> sitting across pe- from me, beat some people up, <laughs> or at least that'd be the way I'm designed. I don't know. What You're that welcome, means. Jesus. <laughs> what? Is You're that? fighting people. <laughs> uh, that was a weird turn. So let's let's realign and get prepped uh, to jump back in to this second part of the conversation with Bill Thrall. What we're going to be talking about is this tension in how we find our purpose and calling and design as men. Uh, it's this difficult, never-ending search that most all of us have. And so how do we, how do we have a shot at discovering that? Especially when we're, a lot of us are in jobs where we feel like we're not doing anything and we question the purpose and outcomes and why we're doing the things we're doing in our life in general. And then how do we help each other in moving towards our purpose and the fulfillment and the life that comes from aligning all of that together. So we're going to transition. I hope you guys enjoy part two of this conversation with Bill Thrall. So I, I think I'm, I am starting to put this together. I, I be, when I believe I, I believe deeply and I get the deep things, you know, all that that sort of thing. But it sometimes it takes me a minute. I feel like I'm seeing a light off in the distance about this. But just putting together what Robbie started with this idea, I'm I'm going to work every day. I feel like I'm just supporting a lifestyle. You know, I don't right. want to just go to another review meeting, sales meeting, whatever. I feel like what you are saying is as we settle into a right belief about who we are and who we were made to be, that it becomes less about whether I'm going to a meeting or not, more about who I am, where, whatever I'm doing. Exactly. And, 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 and what happens is uh, how do we, the two of you and me, how, how would we help men get in touch with the profound reality of who God says they are mm. so that, so that something can be true. This is a, I'm, I'm going to jump into a different subject for just a minute, just to make a point. Uh, we need to understand that the purpose of God in us is always greater than our natural potential always greater. And and so many men who are naturally really good at something spiritualize that. And the poor guy who isn't, quote, naturally good at anything, he doesn't have a chance. Not even true. Everybody needs to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Hmm. He took the weak and the, and the whatever of this world and made them new in Christ to change this world. I I like to teasingly say to men, you know, Peter may have had the potential to be the greatest fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. He's a natural born leader. But you know what? God's destiny purpose for him was to change the world. Now, that example is not just unique to Peter. If we could help men understand that every one of us 
who have been chosen of God have a purpose to change the world. It just gives purpose. It, here, here's, a, here's a thought for us for maybe another time, but I'll say it here. One of the things that we talk about with this guy who's begrudging the next meeting is that he's lost his hope. When we are in touch with the purpose of God in the influence of our life, it creates hope. It, it doesn't really matter what my job is if I'm living in hope. It really doesn't matter. That is there, huge. There are, there, are, there are lots and lots and lots of, quote, Christian leaders in high-profile Christian jobs who are miserable. Don't, don't, let's not confuse this reality. There are no super saints. We're, we're all called of God, and we're all to contemplate our calling. That is huge. Bill, could you please say that gigantic statement again? The purpose of God in us is always greater than... Yeah. The purpose of God in us is always greater than our potential. Mm. Uh, it always is greater. My, my potential... Is, is the sum total of my natural abilities being expressed. Some, some men are significant uh, athletes. Their potential athletically blows my mind. I, I just, I, I'm not that person. So I've always been really impressed by great athletes. But, but that's, that's their potential. Some people have huge minds. They, they can think stuff that would make me dizzy. But, but that's their potential. Let's be really careful as, as men who are trying to draw men to maturity, that we are encouraging them to get in touch with the purpose of God so, so that they're not trapped in comparing themselves at the level of their potential or the lack of it. So how, how do I live out of that? And what would it look like if I believe that? Because everything around me, all of the... Um, the rewards society right. helps me focus on my potential and celebrates that. How do I, how do I actually live out that belief, which is such a paradigm shifter? What would that yeah. look like? Yeah. Well, let me, let me back up on myself here a minute. There's nothing wrong with my potential. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a wonderful thing. It's just limits the purpose of God. It's a wonderful mm -hmm. thing. I don't say give up on your potential. I'll tell you guys a quick story. I was with some leaders last week and one guy's an amazing athlete. He was golfing with some friends, and they came upon a foursome. They were all backed up. And these guys in the foursome were bragging how good they were as golfers. And, and one huge guy, 6'4", 250, he hit his drive straight down the middle, 260. Beautiful drive. And this guy who was in our group, his friend said to us, well, let me tell you what he did. He went up to the tee, and he said to the other four guys, Normally, I stand to outdrive a guy like you. He got on his knees and he outdrove the guy from his knees. <laughs> now, that's a lot of potential. <laughs> that's a lot. Of, that's, a, that's a lot of potential. I'm not. I'm not demeaning potential. I think it's amazing. Use. You know. I'd say it this way. Let's get this. God is a great steward. He created me. I am because of who God made me. And, and it's, it's, it's not by accident that a Pharisee, the Pharisees, one of the greatest legal minds in his time in history, that a man named Paul with a great legal mind would write Romans, the great 
book of one of the greatest legal treatises ever written. So it isn't like God's not going to use that that he's mm. created in us. It's that in his purpose, his purpose in that is that we would be able to trust God with who, who we are. Here's the key for the benefit of others. Mm. Nobody means it. This is a negative thing. But often when I'm striving to reach my highest potential, it's all about me. But, but but because of who I now have been made in Christ, no, no, what happens is the measure of my maturing in Christ is when the focus of my life changes from a me focus to a you focus. So that's, so, so that's, that's how we know if I'm actually living out of that belief. Because if Absolutely. it's my natural talents, it's about me and progressing. Exactly. Me. And I need the I need the rewards because they validate me. It's hmm. nothing wrong. Again, again, I I just say to somebody, gosh, if you're really really sharp and they're offering you an extra hundred thousand this week, take it, thank you, take it. <laughs> but, but but so so what? I want to back up a little bit here. Um, I want us to be really really careful that we don't get trapped into a spiritualizing of the calling of God, and, and therefore a few have got it. No, no, there, there is no one. There is no one in Christ who is outside of the purpose of God. No one. And so God's purpose is for every man as a new man. That becomes his purpose. And the danger of how we have deemed calling is that it's for a select flu uh, a select few who are in ministry which has nothing to do with god's purpose in us which is also our calling exactly because even the terminology we use they're in ministry implying that some people aren't you see mm. what happens we, we, we make the implication well, i'm in ministry and you're not wait wait wait, wait. we're all in the purpose of god isn't that ministry who gets to define that differently? But I can tell you, you asked me about, do I see this in men? This is what's happening in men. I mean, really, when I was 19, I was in Bible college, and I had this profound sense of destiny. It was, it just rocked my world. It was like God was in the room with me, grabbing me and telling me that he had great purpose for my life. It was an amazing experience. I was 19. I thought that the next Tuesday I was going to do something really significant for God. It's just, it's just why wouldn't I? I had to mature into that. I really did. And, and by the way, it took a long time. So let's, let's, let's be careful here. Let's help men to understand it takes time to mature. I am personally convinced that we will not live well into the purposes of God if we are immature. And one of the ways that we stay immature is we don't trust what God says is true about us. Which goes back to the the new man and the power of that being at the central piece. Is that right? Exactly. You know, in, in yes, in First Peter, he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he, God, may exalt you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. But what he's, what he's helping us to understand is 
The humble are those who trust God with who they are. That's the humble. And he says, I will exalt the humble. I will give, I will give significance to the life of those who trust me with who they are. That, that's what he's saying here. You know, it, it, some, some churches, some theologies, they can't even handle the language of God exalting anyone because they have a worm theology. What do you mean by warm theology? Worm. They, worm. They, have a, they, they have a theology that, that um, I am just not worthy of anything. A lowly That's, worm. I'll a see. lowly worm, just, a, just barely able to function. You know, they don't understand. Huh. What they're doing is they're discrediting God. Hmm. God, God. God in Christ at Calvary, it was an amazingly powerful transaction. It, it was amazingly powerful. He defeated sin. He totally took upon me, on him, my shame. He gave me a new life. That is amazing. And, and I want to do my best to help men who, quote, know they're Christians, know that as a Christian, they are part of the ministry, part of the purpose of God. That's my goal. Why, why is it that that message is so confusing and lost, even in the church? The difference between the narrative of becoming a Christian and uh, growing and getting better versus, no, you are a holy new man, and yeah. he took all of your shame, and you are a son of the living Father, and you just mature into completely new. You're completely new and not just trying to get newer. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I personally think that that it's like um, a hidden understanding of grace, uh, where where we have a evangelicals, we we have a confidence in the grace of God for my salvation, but no one's te- no I should say no one. Most are not teaching me about the grace of God for my life. I've met lots mm-hmm. of leaders, and I will say this: I've met lots and lots of leaders. And they've learned to trust Jesus with their sin. They've never learned to trust Jesus with their life. And, and trusting Jesus with our sin and not our life is no. an indicator of those different perspectives. Absolutely, because if I, Robbie, if I'm in the situation where I know I'm now a Christian and nobody has taught me what to do with the reality that I still sin. I mean, I, I just am convinced now as a Christian, I just have to keep working on my sin to become godly. Hmm. And and no, no, this is, I teasingly say this to people. Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples because you sin less than they do. He never said that. He never <laughs> taught it. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, 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 never, he never taught it. Huh. He, he said the evidence that we belong to Christ is our love, not how little we sin. That's hmm. what he taught, and he meant it. And, and, and in that meaning, it, he was giving to me hope. And that is, I am not equipped or adequate to deal with any sin. Hmm. That's why Jesus had to die for every sin. That feels so light. To, to be able to just 
love others as a fully equipped, completely new man that's so much more, um, yeah, light and freeing that even in that love, he's equipped me through Christ in me to, to him just do that through me. And I, and to, but I just, it's, it's wild how much of my quote unquote Christian life I've been in the game of shame, trying to sin less, trying to be better, do things for that, which is that old mentality of, okay, Jesus saved me, forgave my sins. Now I, now I need to, um, do better, clean up, follow, do this stuff better. That's such a different paradigm. I mean, I feel like I could camp out for a year on that last thing that you said that I am not equipped to deal with any sin. I'm, that in itself is incredibly freeing. It is. Thanks, Lee. It is. And, and, and uh, so back to this statement I made a few minutes ago, let's imagine that what you guys are about is giving men hope. Just giving them hope hmm. because they, they don't feel hope, you know, and, and yet compound their lack of hope with the fact they've screwed up. <laughs> it's just like, yep. Yep. All right. I've, you know, I've screwed up. I'm, I'm OK. I'm not happy and I don't have hope. Oh, boy. Thank God for the Christian life. No, they're not. They're not thanking God for the Christian life. They're thanking God that they're going to go to heaven. But, but their lives don't matter to them. I'm, I'm serious. Their lives do not matter to them. So what they do is they do the best they can to get a good living, keep their wife and children happy, and hope they don't screw up too much tomorrow. It, it's such a small, it's such a small uh, bundle of hope. It has so little purpose in it. And that and, really is why that's the foundation of us even getting into the difference between what's our destiny or purpose or calling, because it all is affected by that foundational understanding, deep understanding. And we've Absolutely. got we've got guys who meet in men's groups and married groups and do life together. And part of that is we help these guys say, what does this mean for me personally? What am I going to do about it? And how they can help each other. That's how we grow in the context of relationships and small groups. Really, there's it is just a framework for people to connect relationally, uh, connect, learn, and grow. Connect, build a basis of trust with each other. Learn, tackle some, bring in some type of content as a catalyst for discussion, and then grow. Say, what does that mean for me? How? Uh, what am I going to do about it? What faith step is God inviting me to take, and how can we help? So with guys sitting in circles with that understanding, connecting that truth with also the power you said of the importance of other people speaking into and affirming that truth in our lives, what would you hope happens with the thousands of men who are getting together this week just in our area, in men's groups and married groups? How do they help each other understand that on a deeper level? I would say this. Um, imagine... Uh, that they were encouraged to learn together to trust truth. What if what if we did that to them? What what if we said to them tomorrow, I'm not I don't want to teach you anything new. I don't want we're no more knowledge. What we're going to do is we're going to look at what we've learned so far about whatever we've learned, and we're going to say 
how do I learn to trust the truth in what I know? See, because here, here's a paradigm reality. Knowledge can only inform. Only truth transforms. Until I trust truth, I am never going to mature, ever. And we have to help each other exactly believe those truths, because in isolation, we spin it and we forget them. Yeah. And so we say to men, okay, then let's say, how do I learn to trust the truth about who God says I am? How do I learn to trust the truth that God has created in me purpose? How do I learn to trust the passion of my heart? I love that word. I love that word because uh, lots of men live with a dysfunctioned passion. Mm. They had it and they've lost it. They don't have to do with it. But, but about the passion of my heart, let, let me just say this to us. Lots of men do not trust the passion of their heart because they don't trust their heart. Mm. And, and, and yet God gave us a new heart. He gave me a new heart. And, and I don't have that old wretched heart from Jeremiah. That's, that's, that's yesterday's story. I have a new heart, a new heart that has in it the intention of God and the purposes of God. And what it does is it gives me a, a sense of passion. Uh, when I get to meet with leaders who are in transition, I always say to them, we're going to work on three things and only three. Number one, we're going to discover who you are today. I don't know what that is, but who are you today? Number two, we're going to give title and clarity and expression of your passion. And, and then what I'm discovering is that when men and women, when, when Christians really get in touch with who they are and they trust the passion of their heart, next for them is always significant. Bill, uh, this foundation to, to understanding purpose, calling, destiny is so critical. And that, that reframe to um, how we leverage each other and leverage doing life together in community to help each other trust God with who he says we are as new men. And that, that paradigm shifter is so foundational. I am so excited about this. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to go back and listen to this. Uh, and I was a part of it about 15 more times. <laughs> this was amazing, Bill. Uh, so this good to be amazing. with you guys. So Thank good. you so much for joining. Super grateful for you. And to wrap up, we are going to transition to the segment we like to call Wisdom from the Woods. Several years ago, I attended a conference led by Bill Hybels, and he was talking about the culture that he was creating uh, with his staff and with his community. And I heard him say that we want to be a church that says the last 10%. Um, you guys know what that's like where you're having a conversation with somebody and, and you have to say something hard or difficult and we come up and we say about 80% or 90% of what needs to be said or heard. And many of us shrink away from the last 10% of what needs to be said for that person to really understand and make progress and growth. 
Um, you probably already know there's a couple of scriptures in Proverbs that say, rebuke a wise man and he'll be wiser still, or rebuke a wise man and he will increase in learning. Well, when we're saying the last 10%, Um, It's never easy. It almost feels like it's getting very close to that rebuke level. And so I just want to encourage you, when you're having a conversation uh, with a man in your group or in your family or people with whom you work, that you would consider um, saying all of it, that you would say the last 10%. And I once had a guy come up to me and say – hey, John, can I share the last 10%? So we had the language in our culture, and I kind of braced myself like, okay, this is probably going to be hard or harder information. And he proceeded to tell me things that I had never heard from him before. In other words, he did not tell me the first 90% before he gave me the last 10%. And I remember saying to him in that exchange, like, this is really difficult to hear right now because I don't think or feel that you have given me the first 90% in this topic. So when you're thinking about your exchanges, when you're keeping short accounts, you're trying to have healthy communication with one another, uh, be considering uh, that if you're going to say the last 10% to somebody, that you've taken the time to walk along with that person where they've heard the first 80 or 90%, and then they would be able to hear it. I think even though it's painful, it's a little bit painful uh, to hear that, I think that people would grow. So uh, saying the last 10%, say the first 90 first, think about that. That wraps up our conversation with Bill Thoreau. Thanks for listening. Tune in to our next podcast. We're going to keep bringing you guys guests and content to help you become more fully alive by doing life together. Thanks for listening.